This is Novel Marketing, the show for novelists who aren't necessarily fond of marketing, but still want to become best-selling authors. Episode 141. I'm James L. Rubart, but you can call me Jim. I'm Thomas Umstead Jr. And in this episode, we're going to talk to you guys about Amazon's brick and mortar bookstores, what you need to know about them and how they affect you as an author. But first of all, Thomas, you are going to Hawaii in a few days, are you not? That's right. I'm uh, very excited. I'm going to be teaching a week-long course on book marketing in Hawaii. It's oh, a tough rough. gig. It is tough. <laughs> <laughs> but somebody's got to do it. So, uh, and what's great is I'm uh, taking my wife with me. So, uh, I'm spending pretty much all the money that uh, they're paying me uh, to speak there to bring my wife, and it'll be great. So, That's worth it. That's absolutely. I'll be teaching in the mornings, in the afternoons, and in the evenings. If we're not too jet lagged, we will be exploring the Big Island and uh, hoping that the Big Island will still be there and won't have exploded. <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, so, yeah. if the island explodes, uh, Jim may be going solo uh, for the future. But uh, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> We're hoping things will be all right and uh, we'll have an island to ourselves because a lot of people are afraid to go there right now. Yeah, that's right. People aren't going over there because they're worried and concerned. So you should be able to uh, have free reign on the roads. <laughs> So, and your son is graduating from college, is that right? Yes. Yeah, so my youngest son, Micah, is graduating from college in a few days. And that's where you just kind of shake your head and go, oh my gosh, I thought we were empty nesters before. We are really empty nesters now, but it, excited for him. He's done really well in college. And so it'd be fun to see what he does at the, for the next season of his life. All right. Well, that's exciting. So this episode of Novel Marketing is brought to you by My Book Table. It is a quick and easy way to build an online bookstore on your WordPress website. And you can use it to rank number one on Google for your book and boost your book sales on websites like Amazon and Barnes & Noble. You can get it free at mybooktable.com. And if you're a Novel Marketing patron, you can save 25% on the pro version of My Book Table. Okay, so Thomas, this is a big deal because Amazon was the online bookstore for so many years, and a lot of people have probably forgotten that's how they started out. That was their first identity was as a bookstore. And now they are moving to actually having brick-and-mortar stores, which is fairly ironic. So, so talk to us about this. Give us a little background on how this all came about. So before we talk about the Amazon bookstore, I want to talk a little bit about Apple stores versus Best Buy, because I think this is a great illustration of kind of the new way of doing things and the old way of doing things. So Best Buy is the old way of doing things. They have really big stores. They're called big box stores. And they sell lots of different things. And they have a certain approach, kind of the old school approach, you could say. And I was looking the numbers up. Per square foot, Best Buy makes $104 per square foot. Uh, is the, and this is like a industry metric, right? The dollars per square foot. Do you know how much money an Apple store makes per square foot? Uh, $805 <laughs> per square foot. Close. Uh, you're in the right direction. It's actually, it's not twice. It's not three times. Apple stores make $5,000 per square foot. Actually, a little more than $5,000 per square foot. So Best Buy makes $800. Apple store is making $5,000. And if you ever go to an Apple store, you'll notice it's very crowded. It's very crowded with people making purchase purchases. But not only that, Apple stores, even though they're way smaller than Best Buys, actually make three times more money than a Best Buy that's way bigger. That's how much more powerful this new approach is. And after visiting the Amazon bookstore, because I went and visited one, we have one here in Austin, I'm convinced that the Amazon bookstore is to Barnes & Noble what Apple stores are to Best Buy. <laughs> so, uh, And I, I couldn't look up the Apple bookstore numbers. Uh, I didn't see them online anywhere, but 
but for some comparison, so Apple stores make $5,000 a square foot. Best Buy makes $800 a square foot. You know how much a Barnes & Noble makes per square foot? Sock it to us, Thomas. $180. So it's it's almost not, and it's falling every year. So Barnes & Noble is hurting, and they're hurting because they're using a dated approach to selling books, um, paper books. So uh, let's talk about how, I'm going to assume that you've been to a Barnes & Noble, or if you're from another country, you've been to some super big bookstore. There is an equivalent of Barnes & Noble in Canada. I forget what it's called, but it was way better. Like it just was a better executed store. I remember being very impressed with it. But they sold a lot more than books. It was almost like a department store centered around books. And uh, it was very good. And the people were buying a lot of things there. Uh, So I'm not comparing it to that per se. But uh, an Amazon bookstore, the one we visited at the Domain in Austin, Texas, uh, is a little bit bigger than an airport bookstore. So airport bookstores do a lot of business. Uh, the Amazon bookstores kind of along that line. And it was fascinating because it was packed with people. Like there's tons of people there browsing books, looking for books, pulling books off the shelf and flipping through them. Uh, in fact, I'd guess it probably had the same number of people that a Barnes and Noble had, but it was a way smaller space. So it just felt full. It felt full of energy. And there was always a staff person within sight. Uh, so one of, you know, Barnes and Noble, it's almost impossible to find a staff person like roaming the aisles. You just don't see it. Uh, whereas at the Amazon store, they were very easy to find. And it was a lot like an Apple store. They had very, uh, obvious shirts on that, you know, indicated this is a store employee. If you have any questions, have you been to an Apple's Amazon store? I have not. And here's a guy, here's a Seattle, Seattle guy who no longer lives in Seattle. <laughs> but this oh is my your gosh, I feel like team. I know, I know it's my hometown team. But since moving away three years ago, I have rarely been back to Seattle. So next time I'm there, I'm going to have to stop in. So uh, what's interesting about uh, the Amazon bookstore is that it is not trying to be a third place. Uh, there's no coffee shop. There's no chairs. There may have been one or two chairs, but it's not a place where you sit and read a book and sit and enjoy books. It is 100% focused on book discovery. So if you are trying to decide what book to read, this is a store that is purely focused on solving that problem. So every single book on the bookshelf faces out. So if you go to Barnes & Noble, there'll be some books face out, the really popular ones, and then they'll have a lot of books that are spine out because uh, you can fit. The majority, yeah. You fit right. a lot more books in that way. And a lot of indie uh, bookstores, everything is spine out because it allows you to have more variety. But remember, Amazon has infinite variety on their website. So they're not trying to solve the variety problem with their bookstore. They're trying to solve the discoverability problem because it can be a little overwhelming. You know, you go on Amazon, there's a million books. What is the right book for you? It's hard to say, right? That's a little overwhelming. So instead, all of the books were face out. And the result was it was like a real life version of an Amazon book page because on Amazon, all of the books are face out. So while... um, uh, at a Barnes & Noble, your title is more important on your book because that's often all anyone sees. They look and they see the spine of your book and the title's got to jump off because they're not even going to see your book cover if you haven't already gotten their attention with your title. Not so at Amazon. At an Amazon bookstore, it is all about that cover. <laughs> uh, but it's not actually all about the cover because underneath every single book on Amazon is a review from an Amazon customer. Amazon.com customer, and it will say how many stars the book has, what the average number of reviews are, and then it will have like the most helpful review from the website. Wow. Yeah. It's an interesting integration 
of the offline and online. And I've seen indie bookstores do this, where they'll have a staff person write a review and put it underneath the book. And I think that's a really cool approach. But if again, if you're trying to decide what book to read, you see a book, you're not sure how good it is, but you're like, oh, wow, this book's got 4,000 reviews, and it's on average 3.7 stars, and here's a review that's really helpful that helps you decide if you want to read that book or not. Well, and it also makes me feel like I'm I'm... I'm on, I'm a live in-person version of the website. I, I'm very comfortable, right, with this process because I've probably looked at books that way online multiple, multiple times. That's right. And it, you know, I, I will, I'm not, I want to, I, I'll admit it. I showroom, right? I'll go to a real life store and I'll scan that product with my phone and see what the reviews are online. <laughs> so, and sometimes, and check the price, right? So I'm at a Walmart and I scan a product. If there's reviews on Amazon.com for that product, I may or may not buy it based off those reviews. And if the price is cheaper, I'll buy it on my phone there in the Walmart. Standing in the Walmart. Standing in the Walmart, yeah, which I'm sure Walmart just loves, but they're making plenty of money, so I don't think they care. Yeah, they're doing okay. Uh, uh, The other thing that uh, the Amazon bookstore had that was really cool is a, if you like X, you will love Y. So a bookshelf, they had a like super famous popular book along the left-hand corner, so, and then they would have other books to the right of it that were similar books based off of their machine learning and their algorithm that people who like this book also like these other books. So you're like, oh, I liked Hunger Games. Here are other books that are like Hunger Games. Uh, so, which is a really cool kind of discovery element, which again is like that um, customers also bought on the online version of the store. It's like a real life version of the also bots section. Oh, it's, it's, uh, this is unbelievable. I, I didn't know any of this, Thomas. This is, you are making it so easy for me inside the bookstore. And I get the extra touch and feel of a bookstore, which I love, right? A lot of people like to do that, but they are giving the service and the information and pointing me in a direction that Barnes & Noble does does not ever do. That's right. Uh, one of the things I noticed is that in the nonfiction sections, a lot of the books I was finding were based off of popular blog, blogs. <laughs> so um, now maybe that's because it was very popular with people in Austin, and we'll talk about that in a little bit later. But uh, this whole notion that if you blog your book first, it won't sell, totally false. Totally bogus. <laughs> Just go to an Amazon bookstore sometime. <laughs> Take um, a look. Right. The other thing that was interesting is that the store is focused primarily for Prime members. How so? Uh, so several ways. One, um, if you are not a Prime member, you f- pay full price for the book. If you're a Prime member, you pay whatever the price is for the book on Amazon. And the only way to find that out is to use your Amazon app and scan the barcode underneath each book which uh, we'll get to why this is such a big deal in a second, but there are no prices anywhere in the store. You're constantly having to scan things with your app. The store is meant to be experienced through the app and specifically through the Wi-Fi that they provide you. (laughs) Um, So the other thing that's interesting is that the selection is a lot lower. Because all of the books are, are cover out, they don't have nearly as many books. And so the key, the magic to the app, to the Amazon bookstore and why I think it will eventually put Barnes & Noble out of business is that they have the right selection. So you don't need to have a whole lot of books if you have the right books, if you have the books that are interesting to the people in the area where your physical store is located. And to talk about how Amazon does that, how they have the right books, I want to talk a little bit about machine learning and big data because the whole store is built around machine learning and big data. <laughs> so uh, there's a reason why there's no bargain bin out in front of an Amazon 
Amazon bookstore. And that's because they sell all of the books that they bring in (laughs) because they know already what books are popular with people in the neighborhood. Right, right down to the right down to like you say, down to the zip code. I mean, think about what Amazon knows about you. If you're an Amazon customer, it knows what books you read and which books you finish if you read them on your Kindle. Or you listen to the audiobook. So Amazon not only knows which of the 500 audiobooks that I've purchased, but which of the 500 audiobooks I've purchased that I didn't finish for one reason or another. But it doesn't just know that. It knows what movies I watch. It knows what products I buy. It knows (laughs) where I live. And because it knows where I live and it knows where my neighbors live, if they're Amazon customers, it knows what they're buying too. And birds of a feather tend to flock together. So there's a good chance I will like the sorts of things that my neighbors like. And if I have some sort of Amazon extension on my browser, it also knows what websites I visit, what other things I'm doing around the web. If I use an Amazon device like a Kindle Fire, it knows what websites I'm visiting. And all of this activity, it's able to bring and create a fingerprint of me And as soon as I scan the first barcode of the first product, it knows that I'm in the store and it will start the algorithm, the machine learning algorithm that decides which books appear in the store takes that into account. So I live in Austin. It's a very progressive city. The children's book section was incredibly progressive (laughs) because it's in a very progressive city. I imagine if they had a Amazon store in a more conservative town, the children's books would be much more kind of your traditional children's books because it knows what the people in that area are looking for. Uh, And specifically the kind of people who are coming into a Amazon store. So it's not made for people who only buy one book a year. Uh, although if you're only buying one book a year, it's a great place to discover what book you want to buy. And it's not made for people who buy hundreds of books a year, dozens of books a year, because the selection is not that big. Like if you're a big reader, uh, you're going to read through the selection at the Amazon bookstore. Yeah, you've <clears throat> you've probably already read the ones that are on the shelf there. Exactly. So it's designed for the people kind of in that middle hump, the kind of person who's buying, you know, five or six books a year. And uh, for that kind of person, Amazon bookstore is really the ideal experience. And one of the things I noticed is that as soon as we went into the bookstore, our um, internet connection we were out of range for T-Mobile when we had full bars outside of the store. So I suspect oh, they're blocking. They're, they're using blocking. Wi-Fi blocking paint because they make a big deal about the fact that you can get free Wi-Fi in the store. And so they want you to connect to their Wi-Fi network so they can get even more of that data. <laughs> they want to know exactly what books you're touching. Because if you're scanning the books that you're touching, they they know that, right? So if, if a whole bunch of people are grabbing a book off the shelf and not buying it, Amazon knows that and they'll take that into account with their algorithm as to whether or not to reorder more copies of that book or not. Uh, so it is a highly uh, algorithmic approach to curating a bookstore, uh, which is a really effective approach because the, the let's say Barnes & Noble... They're wanting to, you know, uh, stock books that are popular. A temptation would be like, oh, we'll just use the New York Times bestseller list. Those are the most popular books. Well, sure, those are the most popular books in America. But that doesn't mean that those are the most popular books in Austin, Texas, right? The people in the United States are very different from each other. And you may have a book that makes it to the New York Times bestseller list because it's getting tons of sales in the South or tons of sales on the coasts. But that doesn't mean that it's going to be 
popular if you were to swap that, right? The people in America are not reading the same books as the other people in America, right? Some people really want to read about James Comey and some people really don't. And the same with fiction. Uh, so there's not, it's not like the olden days when everyone was reading the same books. They're all reading different books. And Amazon's really deep data is allowing them to adapt to that, where they're able to know what the best-selling books are in a specific area, which is really impressive. <laughs> so um, I'll put in the show notes a video that explains how machine learning works. It's a little cartoon because uh, I realized I threw that term around a lot and a lot of people have no idea how machine learning works and it's really fascinating it's also a little scary Jim you you watched it I yeah I wouldn't if, yeah fascinating <laughs> I would use the term scary those of you who are familiar with the Terminator movies it's like I, I texted Thomas I said oh my gosh this is Skynet it really is the learning that's going on there but yeah I'll say it's fascinating as well and well worth well worth pulling up. And Thomas, I just wanted to make a side note that Amazon, with your author account, you guys probably know this, but with your author account, you can see where your books are selling around the country, what areas they're selling better in than other areas. And so this technology has been out for a while, but the fact that they're using it to drill down, is, and as you said, Thomas, not just Austin, but they can tell you a specific area of Austin because you've educated me on the differences in the way the city's laid out, conservative and more progressive. And the ability to drill down to a specific locale neighborhood like that is really, it is really fascinating. And it's not just about conservative progressive. Like there are parts of town where there are hardly any children. So like East Austin. Uh, the number of babies per household is like 0.5 children per household. Like no one in East Austin has kids. That's where all the single people live. And so if you had a bookstore in East Austin, you wouldn't want to have a large children's section. Right. Because there's not a lot of kids. Like pe People just don't have kids there. Whereas if you're in, say, Northwest Austin, there's tons of kids. There's kids, you know, it's neighborhoods and kids everywhere. And uh, so that kind of data is what I'm talking about. Uh, birds of a feather really do flock to together and i can tell you so much about you just from your zip code and everyone thinks that they're the exception it's like oh well i'm different from the people in my neighborhood it's like yeah you're not as different as you think <laughs> so uh you can you know your income is very predictable your race is very predictable your religion is very predictable all from your zip code and it's very useful from a marketing perspective so let's talk about what this means for authors uh because i definitely see this as the future i don't think all bookstores are gonna go this route in fact really none of them can because they don't have the data. Uh, so only Amazon can make an Amazon bookstore, which is why it was such an obvious move for them to get into the physical bookstore space because they just have such a huge advantage. Uh, because Barnes & Noble has been so poorly run for so long and they have not been investing in big data and machine learning because they're not a company run by nerds. They're a company run by book people. And the nerds will inherit the earth. <laughs> and if you don't have nerds on your team, you will be beat by those who do. And this is true with every industry, uh, not just books and not just whatever. So um, I think that um, these Amazon stores, they're focused on the short head. They're, sh they're focused primarily on best-selling books uh, and specifically best-selling books in that area like we talked about. So when you walk into the door of the Amazon in Austin, Texas, one of the books facing you as you walk in the door, like the most prime real estate is, a, is the most recent Dungeons and Dragons guidebook for how to run a Dungeons and Dragons tabletop role-playing game. You know why? 
Because Dungeons and Dragons is super popular in Austin. <laughs> Brilliant. And they were sold. Like, they had the stacks of the books and they were a certain height. The Dungeons and Dragons, one of them was like the lowest stack uh, on the shelf. And we were only there at like, you know, two in the afternoon. So these are selling and they know they have that data and they know uh, what to have. Uh, so if, if you're an indie, it's going to be really hard to get into one of these Amazon stores because the selection is so low. Um, Paper is already hard if you're indie. And uh, getting into an Amazon store is going to be almost as hard as getting into an airport bookstore. With the airport bookstores, you can actually buy your way in. Uh, if you pay a shelving fee, you can get shelved in an airport bookstore if you know who to talk to. Uh, Amazon does not work that way. It's purely based off the algorithm. So you have to really perform well uh, in the algorithm, like really really well and specifically well with paper books so uh this is rough right this isn't good news for indies but the reality is most indies aren't making their money with paper anyway uh, they're making their money with kindle and uh i didn't mention this before but there's a whole like amazon product store there's like an electronic section where you can buy your kindles and your echo dots and all the other little amazon branded gadgets and gizmos um they sell those in the store as well so it's like a little apple store kind of in the front uh, so that's good for indies because the more people who buy Kindles, the more you can uh, sell Kindle books to indies. Uh, this is also really bad news for mid-list authors. So authors who were shelved at Barnes & Noble but aren't best-selling authors probably won't be shelved at an Amazon bookstore. <laughs> so uh, that's rough. That's uh, If you're a mid-list author, uh, you, you, it's maybe a good idea to start thinking about going indie now because... Um, if Barnes & Noble is like your one place where you're still being shelved uh, as the Barnes & Nobles go away and they're closing. And even when they're not closing, they're selling fewer books every year <laughs> than the year before. Their revenue uh, per store is dropping and they're pivoting away from books. So if you go into a Barnes & Noble now, they're trying to sell board games and all kinds of other things because they're really struggling because they are they don't have the data on what books to list for their neighborhood. They just don't have good enough data to know what to list. Um, another thing that's interesting is that since Amazon's not trying to be a third place, there's no meeting rooms, there's no chairs, there's no coffee shop, and it's not really the place you'd have a book signing. So while a Barnes & Noble may have hosted your book signing, uh, an Amazon store is not going to host that book signing. Partly because the algorithm says book signings don't work. Because book signings don't work. <laughs> like uh, They don't help you sell books to strangers. They help you connect with customers you already have and for most authors they don't have enough readers in a specific area to justify a bookstore book signing um so how your your book performs on amazon drives your book sales that's all they look at all the algorithm looks at from everything i could tell doing research on this is just your performance on amazon uh, so it doesn't care how you're selling in walmart it doesn't care how you're selling on barnes and noble's website or on kobo or any of the rest of it uh, so uh, if you want to get into an Amazon bookstore, my recommendation would be to focus really hard on a specific region uh, so that Amazon can see, oh, wow, this book is really popular in this neighborhood. I think that's probably the best strategy. And those of you who don't know this, but you will do, most authors will do the best in their local area. By that, I mean where they live currently or where they grew up, where they have some history. Most of my sales, not not most of them, but if you pick the biggest area where I sell books, it is the Pacific Northwest because that's that's where I've lived my entire life. And it's where your books are uh, take place, which I think helps. That too. Yeah, yeah, that's part of it as well. Um, so I think this is actually good. While this is bad news for Barnes & Noble, you notice I have not said it's bad news for independent bookstores because I think this is actually great news for independent bookstores. 
Uh, independent bookstores were squeezed by Barnes & Noble because Barnes & Noble had bigger selection. And so people would go to Barnes & Noble and Barnes & Noble had lower prices. Well, now if you're winning selection and prices, you're going to Amazon.com. So how do you beat a store, a physical store that is super algorithmic and you know generated by the computer and it's run by Skynet? You do the exact opposite. You be superhuman, which is what really good indie bookstores do. They're, everything is human. Everything is hand curated. And you can come and get a cup of coffee and you're not being ushered along by the computer. And that experience, because uh, my wife and I also went to a really great indie bookstore up in uh, Victoria in Canada. And it was huge. And all the books were spine out. And it was a totally different experience. We enjoyed both experiences. But you know what? Uh, we bought a book at the indie bookstore. We didn't end up buying a book at the Amazon bookstore, although we did add one to our baby registry because there was a children's book that we totally want for our baby. Uh, so we, we <laughs> might we might buy uh, buy it eventually. But I think what's going to happen if I were to predict the uh, retail space, I think Barnes and Nobles are going to kind of die off, and the trees that grow from the uh, fertilizer of the dead carcasses of the Barnes and Nobles are going to be <laughs> these Amazon bookstores with their highly algorithmic, targeted uh, nature, and really fun independent bookstores that really take on uh, the character of the local area. And I think that's actually good for indies, uh, for indie authors, because indie bookstores tend to be very friendly to indie authors. Barnes and Noble is ambivalent. They're not hostile, but they're also not friendly. Uh, Whereas you know the Amazon bookstore is just a computer, right? It's pure numbers. <laughs> if the algorithm favors you, then good things happen. And if the algorithm doesn't favor you, there's really nothing you can do because no one understands how the algorithm works, even people who work at Amazon. Which if you watch the video that we'll post in the show notes at Novel Marketing slash 141, you'll see just how machine learning works and how even the creators of machine learning don't understand it. Um, so, and I'm, I'm uh, encouraged by that. I think good algorithms are good for, you know, for helping people find new books. And I also think indie uh, bookstores are good. And I think that um, understanding you know, it's really easy to be like, oh, the future is bad and technology and development is bad. And, you know, people are sad about Barnes & Noble when they were sad uh, about Barnes & Noble emerging and putting the indie bookstores out of business back in the day. Right now we have the rise of indie bookstores again and Barnes & Noble is going out of business. People are sad about that. It's like, pick something, right? You're either pro-indie bookstore or you're pro-Barnes & Noble. Um, so I think that ultimately uh, finding fun books to read is going to be good. And if Amazon bookstores can help people get into reading more by helping them find good books, that's really good for the industry. So overall, I'm very optimistic. And uh, I really enjoyed visiting the Amazon bookstore. It was fascinating to see how they're able to use data to totally change the shopping experience. Uh, it's, you know, it's it was cool. I enjoyed it. Well, and to Thomas's point, let me um, riff on this just for a second, because you're idea that the indie bookstores are going to rise out of this. And this gives indie authors a better opportunity to go in and sell their books to indie bookstores. I 100% agree with you. And we saw this, this has been happening. Best Buy is the anomaly, actually, because you had Circuit City and you had Computer USA and you had all these superstores. It, it was the rise of the big box stores back in the, in the mid 80s and the 90s, where they were just taking over the world. And now they're going away. And so the same thing is happening to, well, it happened to Borders as a big box uh, bookseller. And now it's happening to Barnes and Noble. But as Thomas says, that pressure is going to come out somewhere because the demand is still there to have an experience within a bookstore to have a third place. And so 
I agree, Thomas. We're going to see a rise of indie stores. And as indie authors, you're going to be able to build a relationship with those people and go in and get them to carry your books. Again, the quality of the book has to be there, obviously. But I think the opportunity for us as authors, um, as the creator of the content, we're, we're in a str- we will be in a stronger position than we were previously. There's a fascinating movie that I recently watched for the first time called You Got Mail. Uh, with Tom Hanks. It's about... You recently watched that, Thomas? I recently, recently? watched it. My wife and I watched it. We neither of us have seen it That's a great movie. And yeah, I love that movie. What's fun about it is that it's about the rise of the internet, right? Like they have American Online and they're sending emails to strangers and it's this very exotic thing. But the other plot that's going on is that she is a independent bookstore owner and he runs a not Barnes & Noble that's totally Barnes & Noble. In fact, the location <laughs> in the movie is the, apparently the location of an actual real world Barnes & Noble in New York City. Um, and he's putting her out of business. And the result of the movie, they fall in love somehow in the third act anyway. Not to spoil it, but it's an old movie. Uh his big box store puts her little indie bookstore out of business and that doesn't get fixed. Her bookstore is still out of business at the end of the movie. And it's fascinating because the internet is like the new thing in the movie. And that's kind of like the, Oh, it's so cool that they're sending electronic mail to each other. And ultimately it was the internet that ended up destroying Barnes and Noble. It's like, it's won't come full circles. Uh, like all great empires was sown with the seeds <laughs> of its own destruction. <laughs> I love that. So true. All right, so who's our featured patron? So our featured patron this episode is David L. Winters. And David has written a book called Driver Confessional, which is about a Christian rideshare driver that lands in hot water with the Russian mob. Okay, that's got me intrigued already. Um, Antonio and his cop brother must solve a murder before it's too late. And we'll have a link in the show notes where you can pick up a copy of that book, Driver Confessional, again, by David L. Winters. And thank you to all of you who back us on Patreon. You help make this show possible. And we really do appreciate your patronage. And if you want to patronize uh, Novel Marketing, help us out. Help us continue to bring you these kinds of episodes. You can find out more at novelmarketing.com. This has been James L. Rubart and Thomas Umstead Jr. on the Novel Marketing Podcast, giving you novel ideas on how to promote yourself and your writing offline, online, and everywhere in between. Thank you so much for listening.